You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, happy Sunday and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and this is our tactical analysis show in which we're going to be comparing not one, but two Arsenal players. Well, you can't compare one, can you? So we're going to be comparing two Arsenal players. Uh, Nuno Tavares and Kieran Tierney have been the subject of much discussion and much debate over the last few weeks. Of course, Nuno Tavares comes into the side replaces Kieran Tierney, who was out injured, does brilliantly well, shows the world that he's a lot further down the progression line than maybe some of us felt when we initially signed him. In he comes, does brilliantly for a run of games, has a bit of an iffy match at Anfield, gives away a goal and then really, if we're being honest, loses his head off the back of that. But bounced back brilliantly against Newcastle United yesterday at the Emirates. And what I wanted to do was have a bit of a chat about the two of them and then come to some kind of conclusion with the help of you guys in the chat, of course, because I do think this is a debate and a discussion worth having. I do think that this is something that will inevitably divide opinion. And you know me, I love a bit of uh, controversy. I love a bit of debate. I love a bit of discussion. And uh, so I thought this would be a better use of the time than talking about tactical features of Mikel Arteta's side that we saw on show yesterday that we've seen time and time and time again. So I really felt that this would be uh, something a little bit more interesting and I hope that you guys agree. Let's say a, a big hello. Um, big hello to Tony. Uh, big hello to Crypto FPL, to Kayinda, uh, to the Arsenal community, uh, to Steve Stone, to Merry Christmas. Love that. Uh, <laughs> Terence Tibbs and of course uh, to Mint, everybody else too, who's joining us in the live chat. And of course, those of you who We'll be watching this back a little bit later on or listening to this back via the audio platforms. Also want to wish uh, a happy Hanukkah to those who are celebrating. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful day. And uh, yeah, let's do this. Uh, big hello to Graham Brooks as well, who's in the chat. The one and only Graham Brooks, the tactical mastermind himself. Uh, I hope you're well, Graham. hope you're keeping well. Right. I think that everything in the new studio is up and running and functional. Please tell me if there are any problems in the live chat box. I think we might. I don't want to jinx it, but I think we might have got there finally. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into the discussion. Right. Let's kick off with Nuno Tavares. And the reason I want to kick off with Nuno Tavares is because he's the man in the spotlight at the minute. He is the man who is in the side at present. And as far as I'm concerned, Kieran Tierney is probably going to have to wait patiently and hope that he can find a way back into the side. Now, he will he will get a chance, inevitably. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays at Manchester United on Thursday. I said in the lead-up to the Newcastle game that one of the main reasons I would have kept Tavares in the side was because I feel like going to Old Trafford, Kieran Tierney is probably the better option. But I'll come on to talk about why in a little bit. But to kind of give a, a sort of summary of what I've seen from Nuno Tavares in comparison to Kieran Tierney over the last sort of few weeks, you know, I guess the big thing for me is, is him in attack. 
Now, I know that Kieran Tierney has been in the past very, very effective in the attack, but I feel like Nuno Tavares' unpredictability when he gets in the final third just gives him the slight edge on Kieran Tierney. Now, if you're being sort of, you know, if you want to break this down a little bit further, if you look at what Kieran Tierney does with the ball in the final third, I think his usage of the ball is better. I think his crossing is better. I think more often than Nuno Tavares, he makes the right decision. He picks out the right pass. But I would argue that Nuno Tavares' unpredictability, which stems a lot from the fact that he's able and quite comfortable and quite willing to cut inside onto his right foot, makes him an absolute nightmare for a defender. I mean, just imagine you're a right back and Nuno Tavares is coming down the left-hand side and you you kind of want to show him on the outside where your stronger foot is so that you can, first of all, have a better chance of dealing with it, but also you want to keep the player as wide as possible. And this guy just decides that he's going to chop inside on his, on his weaker right foot, which then puts the fullback on his weaker left foot more often than not. And, and that causes a real problem. I think that having that ability to go either way is one of the most underrated attributes in football. I think it's something that is so difficult to defend against. And I think it's something that really adds to a player's attacking armory. So for me, um, you know, I think that's a, a big, big thing. I think, and look, I know we've only had Nuno Tavares for a short space of time, but I think he's more robust physically. I think I would trust him to stay fitter longer I would trust him to go into 50-50 challenges and come out unscathed. I would trust him to remain fit for a longer period of time. And again, look, I know that we're talking about a, a small sample size with Nuno Tavares. He only arrived in the summer. But Kieran Tierney's injury record has been a, an ongoing issue. And it's something that does drive me mad. It's something that drives me insane. And it's not to pick on Tierney. It's not to say it's his fault. You know, sometimes people will say that it's the player maybe not taking care of themselves. I think there are just some players out there whose bodies are fragile or more fragile than somebody else's. And, and as a result of that, they'll pick up more injuries more frequently, whether they're muscular, whether they're impact, whatever. I just feel like Nuno Tavares is a lot more robust. And in the Premier League, the physical side of the game is more prevalent than probably anywhere else in the world, right? You play in Serie A, and you're a little bit weaker, then nobody's necessarily going to uh, see that as a as a gaping flaw because the chances are you're not going to play against players who are much superior in that department. Whereas in the Premier League, you need to be quick, you need to be sharp. As I say, you need to be robust, you need to be strong. Um, and Nuno Tavares feels like, in terms of his physical profile, he's the perfect Premier League player. Not only is he, I would say, stronger than, of course, Kieran Tierney, I'd also say that he's the, the fact that he's a lot bigger makes him a, a much more kind of useful player in the aerial situations from a, a defensive standpoint and from an attacking standpoint. I think when you consider that we paid eight and a half million pounds for this guy, it's an absolute bargain. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me about Nuno Tavares, which I would have questioned until yesterday, was his mental side, you know, and, and what I mean by that is he went to Anfield. We all know about the mistake. We all know what happened. We all know that it, he should have done better. But it would have been very, very easy for Nuno Tavares to come out yesterday at the Emirates Stadium and play within himself. And what I mean by that is maybe not take as many risks in the attacking third. 
maybe not take as many risks with regards to getting into the attacking third. Maybe he'd be lacking in confidence and therefore wouldn't take on some of those shots that we were, you know, talking about on the post-match reaction show last night. What that showed me, what his performance showed me is that although he is still quite rough around the edges and there are still elements of his game that he needs to improve on dramatically, he is full of belief in himself. And, and that is so, so important because you make a mistake in a high profile game the way he did. It's quite easy to read what's going on or what's being said on social media, read the papers, read the tabloids. I'm sure people close to him would have made it very, very clear that that was unacceptable and that that wasn't good enough. But the brilliant thing about Nuno Tavares is that he's clearly not allowed that to get into his psyche. I think Mikel Arteta did a wonderful job in selecting him yesterday because, first of all, it would have been easy to drop him given the mistake that he made. I think people would have looked at that decision had he made it and said, well, it might be a little bit harsh because Nuno's been good for the most part, but actually, given what he did at Anfield, you're probably right to do so. So the point is that Mikel Arteta wouldn't have got any stick had he dropped him. It was an opportunity to bring Kieran Tierney back in the side yesterday. But he weighed it up and he decided that the pros and, and the positives of Nuno Tavares' early Arsenal career outweigh what happened in that one-off game at Anfield and therefore, on the balance of things, he deserves to maintain his place. And look, I don't mind, as I said before, and as I said on Friday, if we go to Old Trafford and he makes a change and he feels that Manchester United's superior attacking threat in comparison to Newcastle's means that Kieran Tierney is the better option. I wouldn't have a problem with that. But if he did do that now, he would be doing that because it's a tactical decision. At least that's how Nuno Tavares would see it. Whereas had he done it yesterday, he would have A, been risking Kieran Tierney, who we know his fitness is not great. And we have a game on Monday and a game on Thursday. Uh, sorry, a game on Thursday and a game on Monday, the other way around. But B, he'd have been saying to Nuno Tavares, you made a mistake, that's it, you're out. And um, and I think that that obviously really helps maintain that confidence level within the player's psyche. Now, I do think there are a lot of things that Kieran Tierney is better at. This sounds like I'm going on a a one-off sort of one-man tirade about why Nuno Tavares is the perfect left-back. And I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. And I will come on to Kieran Tierney in just a moment. But just wanted to start off on Nuno Tavares because I, when we signed him in the summer, looked at him and went, bit raw, um, someone for the future, Someone who can, someone who can provide subsequent or, or sufficient cover to Kieran Tierney, but realistically at this point isn't going to challenge him for that position. And I've been pleasantly surprised that Nuno Tavares, when given the opportunity, has actually, um, you know, has actually shown that he can compete for that position. And maybe some will still feel that Kieran Tierney is far superior, but. Nobody envisaged Nuno Tavares closing the gap this much. And if we're being quite frank, I didn't think that I'd be having this conversation at this point in the season. But we are, which is a testament to how well the Portuguese defender has done. Let's go over to the live comments. Let's take this one from our good friend Graham Brooks and the tactical mastermind himself. He says, not at Tierney's level as a defender, but his speed getting back to challenge Wilson 1v1. And the way he defended that situation was good. Doubt if Tierney would have matched Wilson in that situation. Pacey. Completely agree. Um, 
I think that the big thing with that Callum Wilson thing, and, and first of all, that is not a penalty. I watched it back again on Match of the Day. Glad to see. I think it was uh, one of the, uh, well, it was one of the pundits. I can't remember now if it was Genus or Micah Richards who said it wasn't a penalty. It absolutely wasn't. I mean, the, the challenge from Jamal Lascelles on Gabriel Martinelli was more of a penalty than that one was. And, and I said it on the post-match reaction podcast. I didn't feel it was a penalty on Callum Wilson because of the fact that Nuno doesn't really do anything. They kind of connect with their shoulders, but he doesn't um, He doesn't trip him. He doesn't extend the arm and push him. There's, there's nothing really there. So it's good. It's smart defending. And I think Graham's absolutely spot on. Having that recovery pace in your defence is invaluable. And we've got that now with Tommy Asu, um, with Gabriel, with, with Tavares, if he's playing. Um, you know, Ben White, not as quick, I would say, but obviously is very good at reading the game. But the point is that when you have that pace and you have that ability, and we never really had that last season because a lot of the time we were playing people like Rob Holding and David Luiz, who had obviously, uh, you know, who obviously played for us towards the kind of twilight of his career. But what it meant was that, or what it means is that we can more often than not, push that defensive line up high. And that allows us to squeeze teams and that allows us to dominate proceedings. So, yeah, very, very pleased um, with what we saw uh, from Tavares. Graham getting lots of love in the comments as well, uh, rightly so. Um, lots of fantastic comments and we'll come on to your comments and your questions. Remember, we're going to be doing an extended Q&A bit at the end of this show because we didn't do it last night. So I'll make sure that we do that. But let me Talk about Kieran Tierney now, because it's only fair that I do the same for both players. I think starting off, I think Graham's absolutely right on the, the whole defensive side of things. I still would trust Kieran Tierney as part of a back four if we were only defending more than I do Nuno Tavares. And that's not a slight on Nuno Tavares, but Kieran Tierney, he's a more natural defender. Defending comes more naturally to him. I think in the modern game, you know, we, we see the importance of fullbacks as an attacking weapon, if you like. But we shouldn't forget that they're there first and foremost to defend. And I think Kieran Tierney really does embody that while also giving you quite a bit going forward as well. Um, I think what we see quite often is a, a shift in the Arsenal shape. And I'll come on to talk about that Um now, let me just share the tactics board with those of you watching us on YouTube. Don't worry uh, if you're listening via the uh, audio platforms. I do my very, very best to explain it. But when you look at the back line, what you quite often see with Arsenal is something like this. You'll see Lokonga, for example, um, playing in that position. Partey will often slide slightly across to kind of backfill that space. And then you'll see the back, th the remaining back three tuck in a little bit more in field with Gabriel shifting slightly to the left and making it a back three, which allows the left back to go on. And with Kieran Tierney, he's always going to do this. He's always going to bomb down that left-hand side and get on the outside, especially when he's playing with someone who's right-footed like Emil Smith-Rowe, who will naturally drift inside. What Kieran Tierney also does really well is not just create space for the winger, but he's in the past created space or, or created the yeah, the gap, I guess, for somebody like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to drift into too, who we know likes to operate from that side. But with Tierney, it can be a little bit predictable. And when I say predictable, I don't mean that he's bad. I, you know, I, I don't want people to take it that way, but you know exactly what you're going to get from Kieran Tierney 
every time he ventures forward. You know that he's looking to get on the outside, get as close to the byline as possible and put a cross into the penalty area. And the reason why I talk about Tavares' unpredictability and how that can be sometimes more effective is that you don't always know what he's going to do. You don't always know in an attacking sense what is in the guy's mind because he will quite happily, if I just change this uh, to Tavares to save any confusion, he will quite happily carry the ball down the left-hand side and then decide, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to come into that inside space. Sometimes he does go on the outside. Sometimes he comes in field. Sometimes he goes bloody across the pitch because he's that confident in carrying the ball. And I think one of the good moments that Arsenal had in the first half yesterday where we managed to break came where there was a little interchange between Lokonga and Tavares. Uh, sorry, Lokonga and Smith Rowe, I think it was. And Tavares just burst into this hole here and then just carried the ball forward and got towards the penalty area. So having that unpredictability in terms of what you're going to do when you get in the final third, I think is important. You know, we've talked a lot in during Mikel Arteta's tenure about the team at times being overcoached, about Arsenal sometimes being too rigid in the way they play as an attacking force that we're trying to play in a certain way and everybody knows what it is and therefore everybody finds a way of stopping it and nullifying us. And the the value of having players who are quite happy to pick up the ball and run into spaces and quite happy to to just wing it in those positions, I think is is very, imp- you know, I think it's very important. I think it's something that we need. And um, yeah, and, and I think he brings that to the team. As I said before, I think Kieran Tini's final ball is better. I think when he gets in those positions, he more often than Nuno makes the right call. But Nuno is a problem for anybody he plays against. I mean, if I was defending against Kieran Tierney and I was a right back, I think it would be quite easy or easier for me to show him on the outside, as I described, and allow him to put a cross into the penalty area and then rely on my central defenders and those people kind of fill in the penalty area to defend it. Whereas with Nuno, I'd struggle because I wouldn't want to try too hard to show him on the outside because he's capable of just chopping in field and driving at me. And once he's gone, he's gone. We all know what an incredible um, amount of pace he has, and that makes him very difficult to defend against. But, um, you know, the the defensive side of the game, you'd certainly give that to Kieran Tierney. I think Kieran Tierney's form this season has, has dipped. I don't think anybody can deny that. I think even his biggest fans will say that prior to his injury, he wasn't quite at the races. He didn't look as good as he has done in seasons gone by. And and I think for me, um, you know, as a as a result of that, I think it was kind of the perfect storm for Nuno Tavares that when he came in, he wasn't having to emulate a fantastic Kieran Tierney which maybe took the pressure off of him a little bit. But what he has done is now elevated his level. And that, you feel, in theory, should elevate Kieran Tierney's level. Competition is great. And to have two players that most of us would be quite happy with starting in any game is is of, in, in that one position is obviously a testament to the kind of squad building that's going on at Arsenal. And the fact that we are starting to get a little bit more of that in certain positions. Um the fitness thing is, is is the thing I'll always go back to with Kieran Tierney. You know, it's imperative in that position more than most that we have a capable deputy because of the frequency with which he breaks down. And Nuno Tavares feels like a capable deputy, but one who's not just capable now, but has an incredibly high ceiling and somebody who I feel could go on to, to much better things. So 
what your what my conclusion, I guess, would be on this is that if we're playing with our backs against the wall and we're playing against an opponent who is is going to dominate us and is going to pin us back, and we're asking the left back to, for the most part, tuck inside alongside the centre back, help him out. I think that Kieran Tierney is the better option. I still think as a defender, he is superior to Nuno Tavares. I know that Nuno Tavares's pace, as we mentioned earlier on, and his power at times gets him out of trouble. But I would question whether Kieran Tierney would be in some of those situations in the first place. So I still think on the balance of things, I'm going to give the defensive side of the debate and discussion to Kieran Tierney. From an offensive side, though, I just think Nuno Tavares is more um, effective. And does he waste the ball sometimes? Yes. Does he frustrate sometimes with maybe decisions that he makes, i.e. cutting him field onto his weaker, sh- uh, weaker foot and shooting from 30 yards? Yeah, sometimes that's frustrating. Sometimes it can be irritating. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I still think that he overall causes more problems for an opponent uh, than Kieran Tierney does. And, and that is largely down to that thing I keep coming back to, unpredictability and the ability to go either way. You know, it's massive. It's massive. So I think overall, I I prefer Nuno Tavares as an attacking outlet. I prefer Kieran Tierney as a defensive one. I think when you go to Old Trafford, like we're doing on Thursday, then I think you lean towards the defensive side and you see that as a bit of a priority. And therefore, I probably at this point, and I will pick my team as we preview that game a little bit later on in the week, I do slightly lean towards going with Kieran Tierney for that one. But um, if Nuno Tavares continues, I don't think anybody can complain. And I don't think even if it did go on to backfire, anybody could really sit there and have a go at Mikel Arteta because I think he's managed this situation really, really well. I said I'd have left Tavares in the side because of the games coming up, the question marks still around Kieran Tierney's fitness and and the effect of keeping Nuno Tavares in the side in terms of what it does for his confidence moving forward. So I think Mikel Arteta has managed this brilliantly. And I'm glad that we've got some really healthy competition in the side. So Tierney from a defensive standpoint, Tavares from an attacking standpoint, I think there are certain games that I would prefer to see Nuno play in. And there are certain games that I prefer to see Tierney play in. I think if we feel like it's a team that we can really impose ourselves on, i.e. Newcastle United, then Tavares is the right man. If it's Man United, then I think it's Kieran Tierney. And look, I'd love us to get into a space as a team and as a club where we don't have to think like that going into games, where we're Manchester City, for example, and we go wherever and we know that we're going to play in our way and we don't give a shit what everybody else is doing because we know that we're that good and we believe that much in what we're doing. But we're not there yet. We've got to be honest about that. So um, I think it's it's imperative that both of them play. I think they both have their uses and I think they'll both get a lot of game time this season. And it's great to have that competition and have those options in that position. So brilliant to see them both um, competing for that spot. And whoever it is that plays at Old Trafford on Thursday night, let's hope they do a good job and Arsenal can come away with some sort of result. Let me know uh, in the chat box. Um, your thoughts on the situation. I'm going to come and pick up some of your comments in just a moment, but also make sure uh, that you're popping your questions in for our Q&A bit. If you haven't done so already, pop a Q at the start of them and I will do uh, my best to work my way through as many of those as I possibly can in the allotted time. Uh, big thank you to those of you who tuned in to my commentary yesterday. I, I said this already, I think yesterday. Um, 
of Brighton and Leeds. Typical, I cursed it nil-nil. But I'm going to be back on commentary today at 3pm for the SPL clash between Celtic and Aberdeen. You can catch that on the Flash Score app if you'd like to tune in. Um, if you do, if you you fancy having that game on in the background, please do have a listen. And if you do have a listen... Any feedback is welcome, both positive and negative. I'm still learning. I'm still developing. I want to get as as good as I can. I want to get better and better. And I appreciate that in order to get better, you need to take some uh, some flack and you need to take some feedback as well. Because sometimes when you look at things with your own eyes or you listen to things with your own ears, in this case, you don't always see the faults. So, um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys. Right. Let's see uh, what you guys are saying. GB says the biggest difference in the attacking third is defenders respect Tavares' ability to drive both ways, inside or outside. Uh, or outside. Nine times out of ten, they know Tierney will stay outside and get to the byline and cross. Yeah, I think that's pretty much um, in line with my view. Uh, Gun Dekagan says, don't get me wrong. I liked KT when he joined to replace the likes of Kalasinac. But in Tavares, we now have a complete left back, even better than Kieran Tierney. Let's not forget all the overhit crosses by Kieran Tierney. So Gun Dekagan, uh, very much on new, the Nuno Tavares side of the fence here. Uh, Yo-Yo says Tierney is definitely the best fullback at the club, but he hasn't performed like he is this season. Uh, Terence Tibbs backing up the point I made a little bit earlier, where he says the modern game relies on attacking fullbacks. Um, let's see what we got here. Jid says, but we shipped way more goals from the left last season than our right flank. Harry, how is Tierney more solid defensively? But that, that, my friend, is a lot to do with the way that we play and a lot to do that with the way that we set out and a lot to do with the fact that we, more so last season than this season, were very lopsided in the way we'd build attacks. Therefore, naturally, you're pushing your left back up the pitch more than your right back. You're going to leave more spaces on the left-hand side than you are on the right-hand side and therefore you're going to concede more goals. So I think that was a... a a consequence of the way we were playing, a consequence of the system. But I wouldn't question or I wouldn't doubt that Kieran Tierney is better than Bellerin or better than, you know, whoever else was playing at right back at various points, Cedric or Chambers, etc., etc. Uh Let's take a, a couple more bits. Uh, Lewis Cranston says, Kieran Tierney is way more effective offensively, mate. Arsenal fans have bloody dementia. Look at last season. I think, Kieran Tierney, when I'm saying this, right, I'm not saying that Kieran Tierney isn't effective offensively. But one of the big frustrations many of us had about Mikel Arteta's Arsenal last season and at various points this season is this constant desire and, and, and constant sort of want to build play down the left-hand side, put a cross into the box, a cross into a penalty area where we have nobody fit for purpose in, in an attacking sense. We don't have a striker who thrives on that kind of service. And it just felt like we were just wasting possession over and over again. So Kieran Tierney can be effective in the final third, but we need to vary it up a little bit. And I don't feel like when he's played, most of the time we've we've varied it up a lot. You know, yes, he can put a good cross in. Yes, he can put the ball into the right area. Yes, he can whip it brilliantly with his left foot across the edge of the six-yard box. But if you don't have a striker with the relevant instincts or a striker who thrives on that kind of service, then you're not going to reap the rewards from that. And that was always my point with Kieran Tierney, not that he's bad, but it became predictable. And I think he could learn something from Nuno Tavares in terms of maybe sometimes checking inside and driving 
into certain spaces. He doesn't have to necessarily do it with his right foot the way Nuno does, but he can cut inside and and, and attack slightly different areas as well. Uh, Pranjal says Tierney has a good shot on him as well. Yeah, I think he does. I think he does. Um, so, yeah, let's see. Uh, GB also says the Tavares and Smith Rowe partnership with the two-footed ability of Tavares has allowed Smith Rowe to finish. Yeah, look, it makes a big difference uh, because, for example, if you look back at the, the the opening goal for Arsenal yesterday, what you'll see is you'll see Saka start in a wide position. He plays the ball into Smith Rowe, who's inside, and then he plays a ball into Tavares, who is inside him, before spinning and playing that ball back into Saka, who then goes on to finish. Now, that's the difference, right? With Kieran Tierney, you very rarely see Kieran Tierney on the inside of the winger. But with Nuno Tavares, you will see that from time to time. And that just causes confusion. And that's what I'm talking about, unpredictability and having different options and doing things in slightly different ways. Uh, anyway, Jid says, anyways, let's both... Let's enjoy both because what I've noticed is this fan base that when we start comparing players, it gives some the license to villainize and scapegoat certain players and call them shite. Yeah, look, we're not doing that at all. And I think anybody who um, watches this or or listens to this on a regular basis will know that that's not what we try to do here. Uh, Matt, also defending Kieran Tini, says fan selective memories always baffles me. Kieran Tini was one of our best players this season. In a season that wasn't good enough, he was one of our best players. Now folks want to bin him because he's off form. I don't want to bin him. And, and as I've said, I still think there are games that are better suited to him. But I, I think it's important to recognise that what a job Nuno Tavares has done at really kind of coming in and showing he can be most of the way as good as a player who we regard as one of our very best. And I think that's the key here. You, you don't want to downplay how good Nuno Tavares has been, but in talking him up, it doesn't mean that you're shitting on Kieran Tierney. And that's the, the, the thing. And, and I think, you know, if, if we're being sensible, I think we should be able to kind of do that. We should be able to point to the positives of, of Tavares, but also not not necessarily amplify the negatives of, of Tierney off the back of that. And I'm trying not to do that. But but for me, I still, I prefer Nuno Tavares in an attacking sense. I really do. Um, anyway, let, let's move on from this. Um, let, let's get some of your uh, wider questions in the chat box. And I'd love to uh, work through uh, a few of those in the last sort of 15 uh, minutes or so. Um fire them away. And just a quick reminder, actually, uh, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the channel. It really, really does help. Um, it really, really does help us grow. And obviously it does because the more people subscribe, the bigger the channel gets. And listen, I'm, I'm so grateful for the support that we've had, um, you know, over the last couple of years, especially, especially over the last year, because there's been exponential growth in that period. I was looking at some of the analytics yesterday and the kind of graph as to how the podcast numbers have gone from like being quite good and, and numbers that most people would be quite happy with, uh, but getting to a point now, especially on the audio platforms, you know, outside of YouTube, where we're hitting an incredible amount of downloads on a monthly basis. And I'm just so overwhelmed by the support. And I go into the Emirates Stadium as well, you know, quite often now someone will come up to me and say, oh, you know, hi, Harry. Um, I watch the channel or I listen to the show and it's just it makes me feel so proud that people are enjoying this and that we're uh, we're growing it and, and we're going somewhere and that people come here to get opinions and views and to have discussions about Arsenal on a regular basis. So thank you all uh, so, so much. Um, 
subscribe, hit the like button on this particular video if you haven't done so already. I can see right now uh, live we've got over 200 of you uh, watching us on the YouTube platform alone. So please do um, hit that like button if you haven't done so already because it really, really uh, also helps as much as well as the subscribing bit uh, to kind of get the video out to as many people as possible, which then hopefully leads to an increase in subscription. So uh, hit the like button if you haven't done so already. And don't forget uh, to enter our giveaway competition where to celebrate the Chronicles of Aguna's birthday, we're going to be giving uh, two Arsenal shirts from this season away to two of our lucky listeners. If you uh, want to enter, head over to Twitter, search us, Chronicles underscore AFC, and uh, check out our pinned tweet for all the instructions on how you can enter. But if you don't have Twitter, because I know there's a few of you that don't, and there's plenty of you who have emailed me, then you can email me, chroniclesafc at gmail.com, and I'll enter you into the draw that way. Of course, on the uh, 3rd of December, we'll be uh, drawing the names out live on one of the shows and uh, we'll be picking our winners. Then we'll be contacting you to find out which shirt it is that you want, your size, your address, and we'll get that sent out to you ASAP, hopefully in time for Christmas. Look, we got 59 likes on the board. Let's get it up to 100. There's no excuse. There's enough of you watching. Uh, right, let's uh, let's take some of these questions then. Um, this is a really interesting one and on topic as well from Niamari. And I hope I've said your name right, mate. I apologize if I haven't. Uh, but he says, will we ever see the best of Partey? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And I, and I talked about it on, on the kind of post-match reaction show yesterday. Look, I, I, just for the record, he's still miles better than anything else we have in the centre of midfield. But, you know, I think when he came in, we were all kind of like, well, this is the this is what we needed. This is the player we've been desperately crying out for for years and years and years. And I think at times, largely down to injury, but sometimes down to him just not being at the races, he's underwhelmed. And, you know, I still think he's a massive part of this team. I think it's so, so important that he's fit and he's available. But I'm starting to question if maybe our, our uh, what's the word? Expectations of Thomas Partey were a little bit overinflated in the first place. Remember, the Premier League is a very different league to La Liga. And I think that where I would say that Thomas Partey has sometimes struggled in the Premier League has been that he hasn't always looked sharp enough. He hasn't always looked um, to play the game at a high enough tempo. And I think that is something that's a consequence of coming to the Premier League. And, and it's probably a fault or a or a weakness or a, a shortcoming, if you like, that maybe wasn't on show so much when he was playing in La Liga. Therefore, it's that's why I think that maybe our expectation of him was was too high in the first place. Having said that, though, he still makes a massive difference to this team. He's still a huge uh, part of it. He's still very important. And I'd still dread to think where we would be and what our midfield would look like without him in it, especially with Granite Xhaka missing. So um, look, I think we can still see more from him. But yeah, um, let's see. Uh, Jay Dubia says, what's with all the cacti, Harry? <laughs> like them, though. Um, look, to be honest with you, when I was doing up the studio, um, I wanted to get some green stuff, some greenery, right? And what happened is maybe about a year ago, because for those of you that don't know, I've got a, a man cave, right, where I've got my my TV and my football and my drinks and my sofas. And, and, and I when this podcast got a little bit bigger... I decided to turn kind of half the room into a studio as such. 
and that's what I've done, you know, we, we with the backgrounds and, and with the desk and, and with all of that and the microphones and the cameras and the lights. And we tried to upgrade all of the equipment. And what I wanted to do was add something green because it can get a little bit dark and dull in here, you know, especially in the winter. I start working, it's dark. You know, I come down here in the morning, it's dark. I, by the time I go back inside the house, it's dark. And what I wanted to do was add something a little bit green and a little bit kind of more, um, I don't know, natural. But the problem is that the last time I did that and I brought a couple of proper plants and put them in here, they died within a week because in the nighttime, if you don't have the heating on in here, it gets absolutely freezing. And why would I have the heating on when I'm in another building? So I don't. And I always forget to water them, whereas these are robust. These do not need much care. And that's why I opted for them. Uh, but thank you. Maybe we'll change it up a little bit. Um, GB says, thanks a lot for the consistent content. Harry, always top stuff. Appreciate you smash like automatically now. Thank you so much, mate. Um, Jid, following on on the Partey dis discussion, says, are we still going to blame fitness for Partey being underwhelming again? Or are we ready to have an honest discussion about how he hasn't lived up to all the hype fans gave him? Yeah, I think... Um, I think that there is, um, I think there is a discussion to be had about Thomas Partey. I think a lot of it's been down to fitness, but I like you. I just said it a moment ago. Don't feel like it's only about that. I do think he's been a little bit underwhelming based on the hype he's received. I don't think that that's necessarily fair on him though. And I think that's something that we do quite a bit in football where we, we expect something of someone that maybe they didn't even expect of themselves and we overinflate those expectations and then we're inevitably disappointed. Uh, Brian Sheridan, uh, what's your opinion on Lee Gunner and would you have him on Love from Ireland? I don't want to, I could have avoided this question, but I don't want to avoid it because there's a couple of things that, you know, I, I just want to say, and not on Lee Gunner specifically, but on anybody in this kind of space. Um, people are entitled to their opinions, right? They can have their opinions. And and that's what YouTube is about. It's great that people can go on there, express themselves, do what they want, uh, become content creators and, and kind of see their community grow. Listen, I am I, Lee Gunner joined one of our phone ins a little while ago. Um, me and him have had a few disagreements on social media. I've seen some videos that he's put out where he slagged me off and whatever. And, you know, I'm not about making a big public scene about it. Like uh, me and him have spoken about it privately and that's that you know that's it for me it's not about creating a big kind of scene and the reason i wanted to to touch on this question brian is because a lot of people put this in the comments quite often because they've seen that we've had disagreements on social media and they've seen obviously on his videos where he sat and had a go at me the the end of the day mate i, I don't really care what his opinion is it's his opinion he's entitled to it and that's that i choose not to subscribe to that point of view because that's not the way I consume football. That's not the way I see things. Um, but he's entitled to do whatever he wants. And, and I've got no problem with having good debates with people. And that's why when he uh, commented once on a, or a little while back on one of our phone-ins, I brought him on because I didn't want people sitting there going, oh, you, you know, you're, you're, you're scared of, of Lee Gunner coming on and giving you a different opinion, et cetera, et cetera, and having a go at you. I'm not scared of anyone. You know, I do what I do. Um, I'm very proud of what I do. I've had some incredible opportunities over the last couple of years. Um, you know, opportunities that I never thought I'd get. I'm a paid football commentator, for God's sake. You know, if you'd have told me that three years ago, I'd have laughed at you. I'd have said, there's no way in. It's impossible. 
dream job. Great. Yes, I'd love to do it. But how? You know, I wouldn't have had a clue. So I'm a football commentator. I get to talk about Arsenal for a living, write about Arsenal for a living. And that for me is the dream. And and I'm not going to let anybody kind of try and bait me into to stupid things that could potentially undo all the hard work that I've done. So happy to have good debates and discussions with people, but not happy to get involved in kind of slanging matches, um, you know, or, or slinging mud, whatever you want to call it. But as I say, look, Lee Gunner does what he does. I don't agree with a lot of his views, but there's a big subscriber base there. So he's obviously doing something right and fair play and good luck to him is what it is. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, Ray Anderson says, hi, Harry, would you send the shirt worldwide? Because I live in Jamaica. And if I win, I don't want to not get my shirt, but I don't win anything. Well, you never know, Ray, but yeah, we will send it worldwide. Um, appreciate that a lot of our listener and, and viewer base is, is based overseas. Yeah. We're, we're happy to, uh, to send it wherever it needs to go, man. Uh, no problem on that. Uh, let's see what else, uh, we've got. Um, let's pick out uh, a couple more uh, Graham Brooks says uh, how significant was Martinelli coming on instead of Pepe on the right hand side when Saka went off with his injury yeah I mentioned this Graham on the um, on the post-match show I think it says a lot doesn't it about a where Mikel Arteta sees Nicolas Pepe or in the light that he sees him in, but also how proud and impressed he's been with what he's seen from Gabriel Martinelli. Because he talked about Gabriel Martinelli challenging decisions, but doing it in the right way. He talked about him being patient. Gabriel Martinelli gave a post-match interview as well. And when she said, doesn't matter if I play 5, 10, 15 or 20 minutes, when I get the chance, I have to be ready and I have to take it. And, and that was brilliant and great to see. So, yeah, I think it is significant. I think it shows that Mikel Arteta... Um, it is open to the idea of Gabriel Martinelli playing a bigger role, which is contrary to what a lot of people have been telling us. You know, I've had constant discussions with people who have told me this manager doesn't like Martinelli and this manager, it, while this manager is here, um, you know, this player would never succeed. And, and I think that's complete nonsense. And I think you're seeing that now. I talked about yesterday, you know, the, the fact that we're not in the Europa League and the big impact that that has on on this situation, right? Gabriel Martinelli would have played six group games had we been in the Europa League. That's six more full games than he's getting now. Gabriel Martinelli probably could have played in the round of 32, maybe even the round of 16 had we got there. So what you're doing or, or, or the problem you have by not being in Europe is that the fringe players, their game time is significantly reduced. And Mikel Arteta, as I said yesterday, is in between a rock and a hard place. He has to make a decision based on what's best for the team while also trying to nurture a young, exciting, upcoming talent. And that's not an easy balance to find. I don't think Martinelli's all-round game um, supersedes that of Bukayo Saka's right now or that of Emil Smith-Rose. Gabriel Martinelli has said himself he, he's not a striker. He doesn't want to play as a centre-forward. Therefore, he's competing for those positions. So, um, yeah. I think it's important. I think it is important. I think it is significant. And I think that hopefully might uh, be a bit of a wake-up call for Nicolas Pepe as well, because um, he's uh, he's he's looked a bit underwhelming lately. And um, you kind of get the impression that Arsenal are, are quite happy to, I don't want to say kick him to the curb, but move him to the wayside, even if that means kind of just accepting that that £72 million investment was a complete and utter waste of money. Um, 
Terry Abbott says, Harry, would you take a point at the theatre of has-beens? I absolutely would. I really would. Because I still think that while Arsenal are on, on a great run, I, I, look, the way I saw this season is if we beat the teams that we should beat, more often than not, then we will be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. I think the Premier League is so competitive now that people around you will inevitably drop points and that will allow you room to drop points. And that's not to say that it's acceptable. It's not to say that you should be aiming for that or be accepting of it. But games like Man United away, I think if you get a respectable point from that, you'd be pretty pleased. You'd be pretty damn pleased. Jonathan asks in the chat, um, how many points is acceptable for the next two away games? Neither Everton or Man United are playing well. Man United are going to have a new manager. And I think that changes things dramatically. You know, if we were going against Oli's Man United, I'd obviously be a lot more confident. There's probably going to be a new manager bounce because despite their bad form, they've got a really, really talented group. I think for me, I want four points. I want four points from those two games. If we got beaten at Old Trafford, but then won at Everton, I wouldn't be losing my shit because we'd be one point short of the total that, that we've expected. And as I've said to you guys before, you can't go mad and you can't go over the top because you then might pick up additional points in a game where you didn't expect to get much from. We saw that, for example, when we played Crystal Palace at home, didn't we, in the Premier League? Um, people going into absolute meltdown off the back of that draw, only to see us go to Leicester at the weekend and and win and take probably two more points that day than most people thought we would get. So that's why football's a long game. That's why this, the, the league and, and the season ultimately is determined over 38 games and why you shouldn't panic based on one-off results. If you're seeing consistent issues, consistent problems, then of course, raise those concerns. But look, I want four points. If we got three, I don't think that would be the end of the world. But obviously, aiming for four. Uh, Clement uh, says, which left-back plays against Man United? I said earlier on that I'd probably slightly lean towards Kieran Tierney because of his defensive um, superiority, in my opinion. But... Um, I'm going to think about this over the week. And uh, when we do our Manchester United preview, then I will give you uh, hopefully uh, a bit more on that and, uh, and maybe be uh, a little bit more decisive on it. <laughs> but at the moment, yeah, I'm leaning towards Kieran Tierney, but let's let's see how things unfold. Let's see uh, what the situation is with with the fitness of others. And, and let's see um, how we're feeling closer to the time, I guess, is is the sensible answer. Right. Uh, we are going to leave it there. Um, we're going to leave it there because we've done plenty. We've talked Nuno Tavares. We've talked Kieran Tierney. We've compared the two. We've provided a bit of a conclusion, which I think most of you probably agreed with, although there were some differences in the comments, but that's great. That's fine. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you want to enter our giveaway competition, you can do so now uh, by following the instructions uh, rolling across the bottom of the screen. If you don't have Twitter, you can email me chroniclesafc at gmail.com and the draw for the two Arsenal shirts will be made on Friday the 3rd of December. Um, also, make sure you've hit that like button if you haven't done so already. There's over 250 of you now watching us live on YouTube. We've only got 89 likes. Come on, guys. Let's get out to 100 by the time I sign out. That should be more than capable. Uh, oh, uh, more than capable. More than doable, uh, I should say. So please do that. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. We'll be back very, very soon with more. Until next time, take care and up the Arsenal. Yo. 
You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.